0: Right hand or left? Mm, left. Well
1: chosen, you're white. I actually prefer black. Too much pressure on white to dictate the tempo. Don't you have a degree in jazz drumming? In a manner of speaking. I mean,
0: technically it's in music, but... I have one in literature, but somehow yours literally never gets mentioned. It's because I don't bang on about my degrees, unlike some people. Bang on! Good one! Come on, speed it up, bada bing, bada boom. You're not quite my tempo.
1: Okay, okay. Jeez, give me whiplash. Am I rushing or dragging? Not quite my tempo. Thought this was a relaxing game to get us in the mood for recording, not a high-pressure duel. Uh, yeah, about that. Oh God, what is it? See these two screens? Uh, sure. Yeah, that look. That
0: wait. That looks like my house from above. Bingo! They're high-definition satellite streams of our houses. And This isn't any old game of chess, my friend. Your actions have consequences. Every piece you move on this board helps your army encircle our real-world casters. But
1: my lord, there is no such force. <laughs> now you're getting into it.
0: I found some pretty hardcore LARPers who are happy to have their purses filled with our patron subs. Fiverr? Nah, there's a lot more than that.
1: No, no. Fiverr.com. Never mind. You weren't lying when you said you'd been working on the psychological side of the game. Losing to my ten-year-old nephew must have really hit you hard. My mind is still a fortress. And it's real. Let's switch to the helmet cams while my knight forks your
0: bishop and rook.
1: ah <laughs> uh, thought it was too much pressure just being white.
0: This is medieval blood chess as it
1: was meant to be played. It's meant to just be a game. Check. 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 You can't run forever. Uh, I just got a message from my fiance saying she can hear the sound of a trebuchet. Can just call it a draw?
0: Oh, fine. I'm not Genghis Fisher anyway, I'm Taya.
1: And I'm not William Kasparov. I'm Ben. And this is...
0: Pixel <laughs> Vision! <laughs>
1: Well, we've got a bit of a good cop, bad cop thing, haven't we? Oh, You're dragging us into the culture wars. <laughs> not the culture wars. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to start with a little bit of housekeeping. Did you?
0: Costuming up and wading into a minor? Yeah. Well, I, I chatted to a couple of listeners about uh, the content in our last episode, Monster Prom.
1: Well, just to clarify, though, did one of them flag it and then you asked about it with the other one?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay,
1: right. Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I was just a bit worried that we might have been not as open-minded as we wanted to be and a bit judgmental of other people's kinks and yeah I don't know I just didn't want anyone to feel ashamed when they were listening to the pod and that definitely wasn't our intention oh I know it wasn't so yeah sorry if it made you feel bad in any way Uh, and it's born of ignorance really and nothing more than that
1: That That was Teo's apology Well, don't apologise for me. I'm not apologising for anything. Words don't come easily Like sorry,
0: like
2: sorry I already
1: said, world's smallest violin. I didn't think what he said anything of issue, so...
2: Forgive me
1: all right, all right. All but right. I, I do think this is just classic, like, we talked about rule 34 last time. Mm. I feel like there should be a new rule, or maybe there already is this rule, that, like, if you have a public platform, at some stage, you will apologise about something, mm. whether or not you feel you ought to or not.
0: Yeah, my feeling on it is just, that's just fair. Like, if it, something was brought to my attention and I worried it made someone feel bad, then I want to say sorry for it. And like you say, it's a public platform, so there's no other place to do it other than the public platform again
1: i'm sure many people respect you for it too okay
0: <laughs> just not you
1: <laughs> moving swiftly on
0: yeah well hopefully we'll get into the not so politically contentious game that is age of empires 4 <laughs> but we'll see if we can make it politically contentious or not yeah uh yeah what did you think of the game i think you played a lot more of it than me I played through just the campaign of the Mongols that starts off with Genghis Khan, but I think you played all the campaigns, right?
1: Yeah, well, see, you you were intending to play two, I thought. You originally were like, oh, two each, two each. No, not two each. I'm
0: sure you said that. I said one, because, well, I mean, we're just trying to balance our lives with playing games for the podcast, right? So I was like, oh, yeah, it'd be good, because we can each play a campaign and then talk about
1: it. And then it comes to the pod, and you've played all four, and I've only played one. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe that speaks to... My opinion of the game, little little spoiler alert. I did really enjoy it. Oh, cool. I had good fun playing it, and I was compelled to click through to the next campaign after each one. Hmm. But did you play any skirmish games? Because it seems like we both just played the campaigns, and obviously a big part of Age of Empires, historically and now, is playing against other people yeah, and yeah. bots and you know customizing randomizing your maps and changing your starting resources Mm -hmm. and all that stuff Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah so yeah never fear listeners i've got you covered on this i thought you probably wouldn't have delved into that so i did play a couple of uh 1v1 online games so yeah i I dipped my toes into it for sure
1: oh that is good because i did sort of dip into it but not i wasn't brave enough to do online all right (laughs) (laughs) um You know me, if it's it's OTV and it's not correspondence, (laughs) I can't hack it and it's too high pressure. And yeah, this was one of those times, so I just played against the bots. Mm. (laughs) But I wanted to try them mainly because there are a couple of cultures within the game. Obviously, if you've played the Age of Vampires games, you know that they throw a ton of cultures at you. Mm. You can play as various different people, various different countries, nationalities, whatever. And there are a couple that aren't actually featured in the campaign but exist in the game and yeah. some of them are really cool mm. like the Delhi Sultanate or whatever it's called with the elephants mm. which I remember from the original game was was uh, the Persians right?
2: Mm-hmm. You, could,
1: you could be on the elephants. Yeah, that's, I that's really right. wanted war elephants that's all I wanted and I tried <laughs> to play a skirmish game <laughs> I tried to play a skirmish game with them but they're the hardest one. Like the game flags like difficulty levels in stars. Like one is really easy. And England is one, by the way. Mm. (laughs) No wonder they got the fucking empire. One star, dos. But Delhi Sultanate is three stars. And mate, I honestly, I just couldn't even get to the second age before getting trounced every time. It was so hard. So I never actually built a war elephant. Oh. I just thought, oh, do you know what? I watched some YouTube videos of people playing with war elephants and it was very satisfying. Mm. So thanks, content creators. You got me covered. <laughs> <laughs> have they kept the
0: elephant sound effect from the previous games, which I just have like so many of these little sound bites from Age of Empires just like ingrained in my memory. I'm not sure if it's the same yeah.
1: one from previous games, to be fair, but there is there is some trumpeting involved. Yeah, yeah, some serious trumpeting. Keep it up, two, three. What beastly luck. Confound that ridiculous Colonel Hathi. Company, sir! Oh,
2: we march from here to there And it doesn't matter where You can hear us push through the deepest bush Up, two, three For oh, we're military, air. With a military
1: If you're not familiar with Age of Empires, you might need a Te'er monologue. There might be a few listeners just crying out for one.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a brief one, right? Like, basically everyone has played this game. But yeah, we've been playing um, Age of Empires 4, which is very much the spiritual successor, I think, to Age of Empires 2. So obviously there was Age of Empires 1, like, way back in the day. Age of Empires 2 was the one that was really, really big. And then quite a number of years later, you had Age of Empires III, which twisted the formula a little bit. Like, it didn't really feel like Age of Empires II, that game, whereas this really does. It's set in the same period of time, for example, so it feels like you're in kind of, like, remake territory almost, but it's obviously not the same game. It's a real-time strategy, you build up your base, you make your way through from the Dark Age to the Imperial Age, build your little units, go and attack your enemy's base or however you want to win by building a wonder or gathering relics and all sorts of different things. Four campaigns to play through. The Normans, the Mongols, the Russians, and one more which I'm missing. What's the fourth campaign? Uh,
1: England. Oh, England. The Hundred Years'
0: War. Nice. So that's all as you'd expect. The thing it adds, which was not in the first game, is a whole documentary series on top of it (laughs) so rather than narrating history through the fictionalized experiences of the people that were there it has like an actual documentary alongside it which you get little clips from at the end of each uh, mission as well as this classic documentary narrator's voice over the top of everything that you do so it feels like you're playing a documentary or at
1: least i think that's the impression it's trying to get cool two quick follow ups there was also um, I'm not sure if it was like a full on spin off series but do you remember Age of Mythology as yeah well yeah got for in? sure was that just like a one-off or were there quite a few of those sort of Age of somethings? Because that was 2002. There definitely hasn't been recently. Like, this was abandoned almost as a franchise, wasn't it? Yeah, I I totally thought it was
0: abandoned. Like, this came out of nowhere and I didn't even see any hype for it either. But yeah, Age of Mythology, like, maybe there's an Age of Mythology 2 and that was that spin-off. I can't think of another spin-off that there was. But Age of Empires 3 was, I mean, it wasn't like Age of Mythology, but it, like, the main plot in that is, like, finding the spring of life or whatever, so it was like a little bit of a fantastical take on history it was Uh, it felt a little bit more like history as it is in children's books rather than history as it was recorded in the big old tombs and logs that were created at the time (laughs) whatever
1: yeah i did quite enjoy age of mythology to be honest i remember playing it during while i was taking my gcse's (laughs) <laughs> if they don't even exist anymore. You remember when your parents used to say, oh, during your O-levels, and everyone was like, well, the hell's an O-level? And now we're talking about GCSEs, and the mm. young whippersnappers listening are like, what well, the fuck's a GCSE? Yeah. No, imbeciles. GCSEs do still exist. They're just graded differently and probably much easier. They get easier every year, right?
0: Two memories that stick with me. From well, one memory that sticks with me from your GCSEs, Ben, is being in the room with your mum when you were revising for your GCSEs, and her saying, "You just need to apply yourself, Ben." And I really, I'd never heard that turn of phrase before. So whenever I like, whenever I'm procrastinating or anything, I always have your mum's voice run through my head. Just so apply yourself.
1: And is she telling you that in your head, or is she telling me that? <laughs> no she's <laughs> just and you're, you're messaging me like it's happening again she's nagging me to nag you <laughs> it's just it's just
0: her words of wisdom oh, i love thinking back where i was when i played games when i played Age of mythology i was living on a boat and i didn't have electricity and i used to like get the generator off the boat put it on land connect it up and then have the generator on for two hours a day and that would be the time when i would play Age of mythology for two hours straight Sweet. a little personal generator
1: yeah, that is good. It's the same with all like pop culture stuff because it was with Spaced, Black Books and Shaun of the Dead. They were all round around my GCSEs as well. Mm. So I remember being at like mates' houses and when we were meant to be re- revising and he'd have all that time off and you would be like, yeah, I'm going to their house to revise. And then you would just sit on the sofa like binging like Black Books or whatever. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, <laughs> definitely off topic now.
0: He brings it back. They all drink lemonade. The end.
1: The female narrator, who
0: presumably is the default one, she's the only voice which you hear throughout the entire thing, oh, apart from in the interviews with like different people in the documentary. But to begin with, it's really unsettling because it like takes you straight into the tutorial and you just hear her being like, oh, a band of villagers were kicked out of their home narrating the tutorial like it is a documentary. And that's immediately like quite jarring, isn't it, as an experience?
2: This is the site of the Battle of Hastings. After almost a thousand years, no traces of the bloody conflict can be seen. But here, the fate of England turned. It's where a king was killed and his victor claimed the throne.
1: If I'm being totally candid, not exactly David Attenborough in my view pretty dull and annoying Mm. like dry as hell speaking of gcse's reminded me (laughs) of bloody history lessons (laughs) snooze fest documentaries they'd put on
0: yeah for for me it didn't it didn't matter so much in the documentary clips themselves which we'll get onto in more detail but over the game it was just lacking in in personality so When you compare her voice to the one which really sticks with me in Age of Empires 2 is the Aztec campaign, I guess it was the Conqueror's expansion.
2: An omen appeared above the forest, the shape of an ear of corn, but blazing like daybreak. It seemed to bleed fire, drop by drop, like a wound
0: in the sky. I am a warrior, not a priest. And you have this like eagle warrior... I mean, who knows if he was actually, like, from South America or whatever. But either way, he's he's putting on the voice um, and tells the story at the beginning of each mission, like, from his perspective, which really adds, like, so much flavour to the events that you're living through, which is really different to, like, this cold historical narration that they're going for with this game.
1: But also, did they animate those sequences in that previous one?
0: (sighs) Nah, not really. Like, there's a few... um, it's told in, like, a storybook way. So, like, a page comes up and you oh, see the, yeah. the writing and there's, like, a yeah. few pencil sketches. And, but then you'll hear voices during the mission as well, like, as, as things unfold and you go to different places.
1: Yeah, you're right. I remember the turning pages now. Because the other thing that made it more, or feel more like a documentary... Aside from the fact that it's dry and like a little bit annoying. (laughs) And to be fair, that's like more older documentaries. Recent documentaries tend to be quite accessible, I think. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Joe Exotic. It's the fact that they mix real footage that looks like it's been shot. Well, some of it looks like Lord of the Rings B-roll, but most of it looks like it's been shot for like a reenactment tour group or whatever that's going to be performing at your local castle. And then they (laughs) juxtapose, where they haven't got actual real footage, they juxtapose these little drawings Mm. over the top of current footage of the places. Mm. So there's like a Debenhams and a Costa Coffee and shit. And you're like, what? This doesn't feel historic at all. This is, like, really jarring.
0: Hmm, interesting. I didn't actually see a lot of those modern city ones in the Mongolian campaign.
1: Ah, of course, yeah.
0: It was more like rolling steps or hills or whatever of what they want you to think is Mongolia. But given that every person they interview who's, like, making the crossbows or the ballistas or whatever has, like, a strong American accent, I was like, hmm, is this really Mongolia or is it California? But I did look it up and some of it is filmed in Mongolia, so... It must be.
2: In the noise and confusion of battle, communications were vital. One solution was the use of message arrows.
0: Signal arrows could be used to send messages to your own troops. Faster than a man, faster than a horse.
1: What it made me wonder is if it was deliberately designed for educational purposes for kids mm. because it plays out that way and I can imagine like if you're going through some curriculum teaching the kids about the ruse or whatever you could say rather than like in the old days which like we just referenced when your teacher would be like today we're watching a video and all the kids would be like yay and then it would be shit instead they'd be like today your homework is to play this campaign of whatever <laughs> that would be pretty sweet if i was a kid and my history teacher set me a task to play for homework age of mm. empires 4 that'd be sick wouldn't it oh yeah that would be amazing imagine selling that to your parents Mum, you got not buy me it well that's what i thought it was like
0: rather than like this game being homework it's more to convince parents that it's a worthwhile thing for their kids to do which i think has always been the case And, you know, I think a lot of people will laugh at me for this, but so much of my history knowledge comes from playing video games like Pharaoh and and Age of Empires, whatever. If that time has been represented in a game and I've played through, like, a 10, 20-hour campaign on it, you just do have, like, some general knowledge about that point in time, don't you?
1: Yeah, definitely. I don't think people are judged for that because I just think that's a modern upbringing, full Mm, stop. Like, that's the same as me. There's loads of stuff I wouldn't have a clue about. I remember actually doing a... Oh, what was it? It was some sort of like trivial pursuits or something at Christmas. You know, when you sit down with your family and you like get out your board games. It's like, hmm. and this one was trivial pursuit, I think. And one of the questions came up and it was some really obscure word. And it meant like a bishop in a church in a specific country. something like that Mm. and i remember reading the word and being like i know what that is and everyone else being like how do you possibly know what that is and it was from a video game yeah and i remember at the time being like see mum see they are worthwhile i did apply myself Mm. (laughs) to the video games
0: yeah unfortunately the big ones (laughs) are not at all applicable to the real world all of that like intricate geographical knowledge that you have of Azeroth (laughs) no way you'll ever be able to apply that in trivial pursuit
1: nah but I mean there's there's arguments I mean I literally if anyone's interested I literally produced a whole episode for uh BBC's The Inquiry podcast about whether video games are a waste of time or if uh, they're very educational and there's lots of arguments for video games in that episode if anyone's interested yeah little plug for
0: some other work i've done (laughs) yeah it's good it's a good episode let's definitely link it in the notes
2: this research has got a lot of attention partly because it sharpens long-standing concerns about video games that there may be a lost generation of young men sitting in their parents
0: basements frittering their lives away on mindless games with disastrous long-term effects for them and the economy i'm james fletcher And this week on The
1: Inquiry, we're asking, are video games a waste of time? But yeah, there were a few other things about this that when I booted it up, even though it's so, like it is so similar. I think you were there when you said it's remake territory. Mm -hmm. Because for me, it just felt like, you know how your brain modernizes games like at the time you played them they were pixelated and basically like a messy 8-bit thing Mm. but then in your head when you reflect on them you're like oh they were so sharp and Mm. like your brain just fills in all the gaps and creates textures where there weren't Mm. any so sitting down to play this just felt like i was actually playing how i remembered it more or less it just had some new abilities do you know what i mean yeah it's
0: true it's really true it's everything that you remember that it should be this game is it To be fair, I felt kind of similar about Halo Infinite, like that they tried to stick so closely to the old style of the games that they wanted you to feel like you were playing the old game, but it's new. Definitely like that here.
1: Yeah. And I think for the most part, it plays out that way. And like, that's why I did really enjoy playing it. And I did sink a shit ton of hours in it. But at the same time... Some of the modernizations, I don't really like very much. Like I felt that it introduced a bit too much complexity in some of the micromanagement of some of the individual characters that we could get onto. Mm. These tend to be like historical figures or like, mm. I think the game calls them heroes, but I might be wrong about that. Oh, they're called champions, I think. And essentially it's like Joan of Arc or William the Conqueror. That is not William the Conqueror in this, but it's that kind of stuff.
2: de Rochefort joined Sejan's party
1: and you click on them and they have some sort of ability like they help nearby horsemen archers fire their arrows like 15 percent quicker or something like tiny like that yeah and it has a cooldown and you think yeah that probably would turn the tide of battle but finding that guy in the battle to click him and then Mm. do you know what i mean bit annoying same with all the f hotkeys for um like trade buildings economy buildings like they're useful but in the moment I don't know whether they were that useful I found myself much more often just sort of clicking around the mini-map trying to remember the exact collection of dots that meant it was my market or something
0: Yeah, for sure. And you've got to think that those features are in there for competitive play, haven't you?
1: Keep in mind, Viper is up in the Imperial Age right now. Mister is fighting for his life against Imperial Elite Spearman. Bombards coming out as well. Three big bombards sitting out the front and Viper now looking to take an engagement here. He's got to be careful. These knights are going to be moving through between the two spears as the spears now move back towards the bombards, get a pretty decent surround as the scouts get on top of it. They're going to try and focus down that bombard. There's no villagers out for them, but it looks like he's actually going to be picking apart the units. The ablatria on the front line are going to have a difficult time. They've got that extra that extra melee armor They're going to be helping them out, but it's not going to be enough.
0: Because for the casual player who's just going through the campaign, it's never going to be worth memorizing all of those hotkeys to beat the what is actually like not the worst ai but even like I, I played on intermediate and it was doable like it was a bit of a challenge at times and some missions i did have to restart but yeah you could definitely get through the campaign without memorizing all the hotkeys
1: mm. you're a braver man than i i didn't want to do that i just went easy mm. i was more focused on the story and stuff and also i remember i don't know if this is just because i was young but my memory of the uh, Age of Empires games is that actually the AIs were really fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was so hard to beat them. And I don't know if it's doing that iron harvest. Thing. You know, we talked about it before where like when the fog of war is there, like are they actually producing their soldiers? Are they competing to the same rule book that you are? Uh, or are they just kind of starting with more resources and starting slightly more advanced and whatever? Yeah.
0: <sighs> I'm annoyed I can't remember the answer to that question now for Age of Empires 2 because I did look it up relatively recently because I wondered that myself. Tentatively, I'd say they do give the, them a bit of an advantage, as in like they start with more resources and stuff. But maybe it's just because if you automate building villagers, sending the, to the do the thing, and if you program the most efficient order, then they're just going to trounce you. But they definitely don't like start with troops or have like increased build speeds or anything like that
1: oh you don't think they do have increased production speeds
0: i don't think so i think they're just ridiculously efficient getting their economy going and producing it units
1: yeah i mean i played you know when i was saying before that i was trying to get through <laughs> some of the skirmishes yeah i literally played on easy with both chinese and the uh, delhi sultanate uh-huh. the first couple of times i like reloaded probably three or four times each and then just gave up on both of them uh, really? i literally don't know how they managed to produce and coordinate so many soldiers mm. literally attacking on every flank and somehow still upgrading to the next ages ahead of me. They always seem to have more resources, always seem to have more properties. Like when my scout was running around the map, it was finding stuff. I was like, how did they even build that within this time already, kind of thing? Mm. But maybe I was just not as efficient as an AI, which does seem <laughs> probable. Well, that is probable, but
0: it's not really to the credit of the game because I know AI for real time strategy is at a point now where it can simulate a human playing it rather than playing it like some sort of hive mind, mm. which is not what you want. Like, you don't want to play against this crazy hive mind. Do you, you want to, to be a person simulated? Um, so that sounds like a bit of a shame.
1: That was just my experience of it. I'm mm. sure a better player than me would have been much more competitive. I ended up just playing as the English to get a few cheap wins. Typical bloody English.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you could beat them as, as one civilization, but not another, which was more difficult
1: to play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. It's, because, it's what I said at the beginning, like the Delhi Sultanate <laughs> is just a really difficult one and chinese right, right. i think is a difficult one as well the annoying thing is those difficult cultures to play in skirmishes are the cultures that weren't included in the campaign so that mm. meant you just didn't really get to play them so maybe that was i think a bit of a balance issue there the game could have ironed out mm. on the micromanagement what did you think of all that stuff because i hear what you say about like maybe that's for competitive play because in practice during this you don't even really micromanage your troops do you just produce as many as possible and throw them at the enemy
0: Mm, well in the campaign i thought it was totally manageable and like fairly relaxing you're just kind of plodding along following the objectives build up your army go and destroy the base i mean that's doing a bit of an injustice like i thought
1: (laughs) i don't know that it
0: is actually during the campaigns well the missions on the mongolian campaign anyway felt varied like loads of missions you'd start without a base and the mongols anyway like can move all of their buildings like pack them up into little carts and put them next to different bits of stone and berry bushes and stuff but yeah i always felt like i was doing something a bit different
1: yeah they also had the interesting uh stone collection Hmm. resource collection technique what was that it's like i can't remember what the building's called
0: you build an ovo like it's basically just like this tent over over the rock it just automatically collects rocks for you but then you can build your production buildings or even your upgrade buildings like a blacksmith next to your over then it gives it extra things to be able to upgrade or build things at like two times speed and stuff by using stone
1: yeah like little enhancements so even though you can't sort of change the rate with which you collect stone you get other perks i quite like that actually yeah although it was always frustrating when the stone ran dry yeah it's a really cool twist like the
0: only point of using stone for the mongols is to build their units faster
1: and they call it a mine Oh, my. Each culture has their own little quirk, obviously. For the English, it's like producing super cheap longbowmen and building Mm. castles everywhere.
2: As the English burned their way across the land, Philippe's army and his legendary knights marched to meet them and came face to face with the English longbow. A simple weapon, but the most devastating the knights had ever faced. The heroes of France fell to storms of English arrows.
1: Whereas for, I think, is it the Rus? They have little hunting cabins Mm. and you build them as far as possible from the rest of your buildings in the woods. And then they generate gold by like the villagers, like killing animals nearby and stuff. Mm. I really liked that mechanic.
0: That was really cool because, yeah, I mean, I only played as the Mongols and you have to do a few missions as the normans or no the french i guess it would be to unlock the rest of the campaigns and you did really feel the difference between them and then when you're scrolling down the list of i think it's eight is it eight civilizations you
1: can play as something like that yeah there's only four in the main campaign yeah four in
0: the main campaign and then i think maybe another four it gives you a breakdown of the differences and the the little attributes that they have and i i just thought wow these all sound really different and really fun which is very different to age of Empires too. Where, like, I think each civilization had, like, one perk, which you might not even notice, and then one special unit, which they build from their castle. Yeah,
1: I agree. And it needed that, though, mm. because if, if I do have a criticism of the game, and to be honest, I've got loads, but, like, I did really enjoy it. But at the same time, the biggest problem with it is it's very repetitive, like, structure to it. And mm. I think that's why I don't think you are doing it in Injustice, where you say, basically, like immediately create um, some sort of engine, some sort of economy creation system with your villagers, click through the ages as fast as possible to get your advancements in place, and then produce a shit ton of soldiers. And that's that's it. That's what you do every single game. Yep. So if you haven't got the variety with different cultures and different units and different buildings doing different things and like having to sort of adjust how you think about those each time you play, then it would become just a grind wouldn't it yeah
0: and i think you've just basically described why the real-time strategy genre has become so stale in like the last i don't know what however long it's been now like 15 years or something the reason we don't get loads of these games all the time is just because pff, they're the same game <laughs> it's it's a it's a stale formula and like there are lots of people that like it but
1: yeah i can't remember what we said about frost now when we did that Mm.
0: but that's a city builder right which is which is which is different to real time strategy
1: i mean it's very similar but i suppose it's different in the sense that you're not conquesting there's no sort of conquest element to it
0: yeah and you can pause the game at any moment like there's no pressure and and there's no micromanagement of units like i think there's quite a lot
1: all right all right i'm backing down i'm backing down
0: (laughs) Um, but, but anyway, like you said about just having that one unit, which you had extra abilities off, don't try and play Starcraft or Starcraft 2 because literally like every unit has an ability. And so when you see pros playing Starcraft 2, they're having to micromanage not only their army and the game, the pace of the game, which is a lot faster than this. Like there are times in this game where I wanted to like press fast forward or have it on two times speed. But yeah, also, as well as their armies and their production and their economy, they're having to manage like the individual <laughs> abilities on each like set of units that they have. Crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that one of the reasons I didn't love the campaign, so I did enjoy the game overall, but that's because within the campaign, there are several sort of protracted missions whereby you do have more of a traditional sort of establish your empire kind of vibe to it and Mm. build up your town and expand and all that kind of stuff and then ultimately conquest Mm. whereas i would say even maybe 30 or 40 percent of the missions are way more curated than that and they're way more point and click exercises where you start with say 15 troops then you have to navigate to a local village there you get five more then you navigate to the next one on the way you maybe pass some sort of ally who lends you gold or something and then you call in tribute i mean those things just felt so like they weren't an element of the game so much as an element of that specific campaign Mm. so it almost had like a sense that it was like an endless tutorial the campaigns at times Mm. and that was never more the case than i'm not sure if this was one of the missions you did but one of them was it does like jousting did you do that jousting Mm. one no we have a champion and you basically go around and find other champions and then you just face them off against each other.
2: Intent on ending the suffering of the French peasantry, Sir Jean de Beaumanoir sent a challenge to the English commander. 30 champions on each side would compete in a tournament for final claim to Brittany.
1: And it's so pointless, like literally, because you can't control anything, you can't control your upgrades, you can't recruit more people, nothing. Mm. The game gives you these two things and says, pit them against each other. And so you're kind of like, well, the conditions are already there for the outcome. Like I don't mm. even need to fight this. Like the game has already made it to know that I can win this battle because there's nothing I can do to influence it. Mm. And that felt like an absolute slog. That mission was about, it wasn't that long, but it was just so annoying, 30 minutes or something. Ugh.
0: Yeah, that does that does sound annoying. I mean, that sounds like the most egregious example of that, like really scripted. Click your unit, move it to this place. Click those units, move it to this place without anything, any like tactical or strategic challenge at all.
1: Yeah, just with that little narrator's voice being like, they found some more units.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But when I think back to playing, because there were similar kind of missions in um, Age of Empires 2 as well. And when I think back to playing them as a child, I used to love those missions. The same as the missions in Red Alert, where you just start off with Tanya and then like build up a few units as you as you go through. Done well, it can feel like there's actually quite a lot at stake in those. Like you've only got a small amount of units and if you lose them, then you'll probably lose the mission.
1: Yeah, I mean, I found that in Iron Harvest when we played. Mm. I found it in Iron Harvest a lot more than this, actually, because mm. it felt, even though this game tries to say, you know, you are affected by the topography of the landscape and there's like ambush points you can go into your scouts are able this is a new feature isn't it this wasn't in the original the f- hidden forests they call them yeah whereby your scout can basically uncover a route through a forest mm. and then you can hide your entire army it's classic age of Empires. like you move literally like 50 soldiers in there and you can hear them all being like shh 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 be quiet shh <laughs> it's like guys come on you, just your boots on the ground <laughs> at this point are gonna blow your cover <laughs> but that that's one of the little things that it does to to sort of innovate you can also put for instance uh, archers at the top of a hill and they'll have longer range than if they're somewhere else and you can put down if they've got horsemen your archers can put down I can't remember what they're called now like palisades or whatever with the spikes that come out and in theory that stuns horsemen and gives your archers a better. shot but in practice you just don't really do those things except Mm. for in those very curated moments where it's like move your archers to the top of the hill Mm. oh cavalry are coming and the
0: pathfinding like as you'd expect (laughs) is a lot better than a game from the 90s so you can when you do an attack move your troops do actually like spread like rationally around the enemies that they're attacking and each of them they don't all try and attack like one and then like constantly move around to get like the one that you've clicked on but i mean you'd expect all that stuff like it doesn't even feel like it's worth mentioning does it like if he hadn't got that right then (laughs) god forbid
1: (laughs) yeah that would be wrong in some instances, that was really cool, like with outposts and stuff. For instance, yeah, I would always, when I built an outpost, I would always build it on high ground to give it maximum mm. range and all that kind of stuff. So, like, it did play into it a bit. And at least that's an example of some of the innovations whereby it felt useful rather than just kind of "quote unquote" innovating for the sake of it. Yeah. yeah. Which some of it definitely was. But one of my big issues with this kind of game, as well as the sort of rinse and repeat factor, is that. You play it, and because there is this fog of war, I don't know what your tactic is. Do you, like, produce scouts and then immediately send them out right at the beginning? Yeah, I mean, just a couple, but yeah. Right. But then as soon as they die, which they inevitably do, right? Like, that was my tactic. It was basically to send my scout out until I found one of their scouts, and then I would tell my scout to attack theirs. Theirs never wanted to fight, so it would run all over the map, and then I wouldn't have to micromanage my scout anymore because it would just be discovering everywhere their scout was going. Mm. I swear they used to have, like, an automate button for some stuff.
0: Yeah, they did, for sure. They um, used to just be able to click auto, auto scout, and it used to move around by itself.
1: And was there also a defend unit? There was oh, and previously where or like follow unit or something. Yeah,
0: yeah, was all of those things.
1: Yeah, those were some of the things that I was expecting that were not in the game. That yeah. I actually felt like serious omissions really.
0: Yeah, and I remember when we pff, don't know what's going on these days with real-time strategy games, but I remember Iron Harvest didn't have those things either. And we were like Age of Empires 2 had those things. <laughs> Why haven't they got those features? I don't know. Maybe they just get pushed right down to the bottom of the list and in the end they're like, are we are going to release or are we going to wait for the follow <laughs> feature to
1: be done? And they end up just releasing. Yeah, maybe. But I'd be like, wait. Wait for the down follow feature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Quality control. <laughs> Fucking Microsoft releasing games early. Bloody Halo is the same deal. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I didn't notice the lack of those features and I thought all the formation stuff and just generally the way you were able to control your units on the map felt pretty fluid. Like it gave the impression more of being like a total war game than it did of an Age of Empires game, which is to its credit because you just still have like your 200 population limit cap. Like you haven't got that many units, but it feels somehow like more epic previous games.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you can zoom in and see them doing stuff mm. if you so choose, although I never do, I no. always stay zoomed out. And if anything, I feel like the zoom out wasn't far enough for me, Yeah. <laughs> but then I suppose we're getting into like a 4X game or whatever they're called. Mm. Yeah, sorry, bouncing back to the point I was making before and the rinse and repeat element is the other issues because of that fog of war, if you don't send a scout out or when they inevitably die, you're not really sure what stage your enemy is at at any given point. And again, this could be bad play on my part and maybe I should send scouts more regularly. But I always felt I was either entering a battle very ill prepared and I was sending in a troop that was like the enemy was vastly superior to, to my force or The opposite, and much more often, it was the opposite. I just didn't Mm. go anywhere near the enemy until I'd basically just guaranteed myself success by producing so many units. And then Mm. sometimes I'd like move in with like cannons and trebuchets and like a shit ton of soldiers and get there and just walk over them. Like there was no challenge, and I was like, I definitely could have attacked this place about an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, saved yourself the trouble
0: of just waiting until your army's really big. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm to say up front like i don't enjoy playing competitive real-time strategy and playing a couple of games of this just reminded me of that fact like it's just so overwhelming did you lose no i won
1: i won did you
0: (laughs) yeah yeah both of them well no i played one and won it and then played another one and they built this wall which i knew i was never going to get around so i just surrendered at that point i didn't even want to play another game particularly you built a wall and you never Like, after, like I felt physically drained after the first battle. Like, it was so intense trying to keep on top of it. The tactic that I used was, like, more kind of, like, small skirmishes. So build up a few units, send them to attack, a little raid. And then as soon as I could, I basically just surrounded their base with, like, buildings and my units. So I knew exactly, like, where they were and what they were doing. And then I was just, like, constantly raiding them throughout the whole mission.
1: Am I interrupting something? Nothing. I was preparing
0: for bedtime and just looking at the oils that Father gave me. Ah, I know
2: what you're doing. No, you don't.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's the best tactic, actually, because it's the one that I could never play against when the enemy do that, is that, like, mm. I have focused too much on my engine or maybe I've got, like, a handful of soldiers but, like, not quite enough. And they're just constantly sending them. And they're never sending them from the same point. So they're, mm. like, send one and then from the back of your base another one comes. And then from that's the cool. east of your base another one comes at, like, five-minute intervals. And you're constantly, like, I always produce... You know, you can set, like, a waypoint for mm. your forces to be produced and run to that point on the map Mm. and i would always set that in like a big field so it would like i could build my whole army there but in reality i was constantly sending them all around my bloody base because they were getting attacked in tiny little like literally three or four soldiers or something from the enemy and i just wasn't ready for them
0: yeah and it's not so much that like they're a risk in themselves because you could probably easily repel those but the brain power it takes to deal with those little assaults at the same time as thinking about all the other shit that you have to do mm. is, oh my God, it's so stressful. And it's not fun. Like how people play it for fun, I, I don't understand because it's just, just
1: not fun. It's good, but it's not fun. Well, the other thing that I'm pretty sure they removed from the game is you used to be able to ha- ring a bell in the town hall, right? Yeah. There used to be a bell. Where's and anytime bell? the enemy attacked, you bang the bell, you'd ring your bell and all of the villagers would run back to like the nearest Mm -hmm. encampment like stronghold so whether that was an outpost or a barracks or your town center and then they would all shoot out Mm. at the enemy that was attacking and it was obvious like yeah you're getting attacked your your villagers would definitely do that but in this game there was no bell so like i didn't know what to fucking do with my villagers i was literally just like running them around like trying to garrison them in (laughs) nearby buildings but always too late (laughs) they're getting slaughtered on the way there kind of thing (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah. that was my experience
1: of um being attacked as well for sure where's my bell did the villagers have the same voices that they had in the early games because when, when i was told my brother we were playing this he was like chopper chopper wood chopper, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. chopper. <laughs> that's classic was <laughs> that he actually saying it in this one because i couldn't like make out what they were actually saying it felt like it was the actual language of wherever they were
0: well, given how the rest of the game is made, I'd say they have probably filled in those details pretty accurately, yeah? I mean, I, yeah, I only played the Mongols, but sounded like it could be Mongolian when I clicked them, so yeah, I don't
1: know. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess part of the problem is it would have been middle-aged yeah, yeah. Mongolian, so sure. kind of like... Okay, Yeah, exactly, it wouldn't be re- recognisable, really.
0: Three fellows went in into a pub, <laughs> and gleefully their hands did a rub in expectation of revelry, for it was the hour known as happy. <laughs> Great bottles of wine did they quaff and had really good laugh. Till <laughs> drunkenness held full dominion, for it was two for the praise of one. That's all I wanted to say on the multiplayer, to be honest, is that it was it was a rush, but I just can't imagine doing that over and over again for fun and all the people who do, but... Afterwards, I felt like having a
1: nap. (laughs) So did you think it was weird then that when you first load the game, the home screen, classic modern fucking almost Ubisoft style home screen, Mm. like so cluttered and chaotic with patch notes, updates, leveling up notifications, like some sort of social media feed. It looks fucking shit. (laughs) And also it does that same thing of like, it says like patch notes, read more. And you click read more. And it's like, this will take you to a website. And you're like, well, don't fucking do that. Just pull it in. What's the point of having this button here? I know I can browse the internet myself. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I don't understand what's up with these modern um, menu screens. Because I know. <laughs> I mean, the most egregious one. The worst one we've had was Hitman 3. Oh, right? yeah, that but, was terrible. Oh, yeah. my God, so bad. But, but the, I mean, this isn't the worst,
1: but, yeah, it's not the best either. Like, just give me a nice simple menu screen. I think it's pretty bad, man. Like, it's it all the it's achievements bad. and challenges and, like the daily challenge the weekly challenge Mm. it's worth mentioning
0: as well because on top of those campaigns there's like those Art of War challenges and I never actually did any but when I clicked to play a game online multiplayer it was like oh you haven't completed the campaign you haven't completed the Art of War challenges to prepare you for it are you sure you want to do this and I was like yeah okay (laughs)
1: You're like, I've got a
0: literature degree. I think I can play Age of Empires. <laughs> well, I don't know. I just thought it was a bit of a weird warning. Like, huh? But anyway, yeah, I don't know. These things must be like focus group the shit out of, right? I don't know how they get them so wrong.
1: No, I think the screens are... Um, it's basically like trying to socialise a game that isn't social. Mm. So it's like creates this social media feed of stuff that you're not interested in, you don't care about. And because it's changing and refreshing, it seems new. So you spend time looking at it and that increases the time in the game. Mm. And then because you've spent longer in the game because you're reading pointless crap, they can say to their advertisers or whoever else and like whoever's paying for the game, like, oh, yeah, we've got X many players and this is how long on average they're spending in the game and blah, blah, blah. And like, if you can just jump straight in and straight out, I don't know if that happens much. I mean, that's mm. the only logic I can think behind it because otherwise, what is the point? Like, just give us the good game, give us simple menus to navigate it and then fuck off.
2: I don't care if you've saved up all your 50 P's, okay? Take your pocket money and get out! <laughs>
1: <sighs> what a prick.
0: Yeah and if you paid for it you're looking at like 50 quid so it's like I've already paid for it you don't have to convince me anymore that's yeah. why I don't get but I, and there's no hint of like microtransactions or i mean presumably there'll be an expansion at some point but
1: yeah I love that. If you paid for it, I think this is good. Did you do Xbox Game Pass free promo? (laughs) I paid only a pound. (laughs) Mate, that deal was ridiculous, wasn't it? It was a it was a promo that uh, Xbox Game Pass had going where it was one pound for three months. I think it was right. I only got one month. Need to remember to cancel actually. I had one pound for three months at the time I joined and I played, honestly I played about three games on there straight off the bat and I was like okay well even if I forgot to cancel this like five times I would already have you know paid for its weight so many times over Mm.
0: while we're on these like finicky little complaints oh my god the xbox or the windows launcher games not to whatever they call it it's just so shit like it did that thing again which it did with me with um the master chief collection where it's like makes you download so much and if you want the 4K HD documentary with the game, this ends up being like 150 gigabytes. And when I downloaded it, it tried to do it twice. Like it tried to do the base game plus the base game plus the video. And it was like trying to download like 200 gigabytes of stuff.
1: And I was like, oh, this launcher is shit. But yeah, anyway, just a small complaint oh man so i think i know what's happened here right when you were talking about that before and you were like oh yeah and it was interviews with the crossbow men and stuff and you talked about like the full length documentary that was like bundled with it in my head i thought you meant like the kind of in-game narrative bit i didn't realize you meant the extra bit that you could download because i chose not to download that because i was like it's too fucking big i can't be arsed is that what you're talking about so you didn't see any of the documentary that came with the game Well, I saw loads of, like, prolonged scenes that sounded and looked like documentary, but not interviews with people. Well, well, so they last usually about, like, three to five minutes.
0: And then, like, one that sticks in my head was, like, the Mongolian Postal Service, for example. Did you see that one? Or how Mongolians made their bows like little documentaries on these things?
1: No. Oh my God, you missed this. This is like one of the best parts of the game. Oh, well, I'm glad. There you go then, mate. So you played one campaign, but you actually watched the documentary series that came with the game. I thought you just meant that it had like a feel of a documentary series because of the way it's presented. That was my experience of it. I didn't actually watch a kind of series of shorts with it. Well, I mean, just the fact that you missed out on it
0: as a player shows that they haven't done this very well.
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> so true, man. I didn't even realise there was content I'd missed, honestly. That's crazy. I was so bamboozled by that home <laughs> screen. <laughs> because basically, you
0: have to be online for the game anyway. Why can't I just stream this documentary? do I literally have to download 100 gigabytes to watch the documentary clips within the game? That's insane. Yeah, and that it is. just annoyed me because, well, <laughs> this is going to sound stupid now, but like... There is an environmental cost to, like, excessive downloading in the world. Like, it's not just free for energy. And when Microsoft just like, oh, yeah, please, you have to download a 200 gigabyte game for, like, the 10 gigabytes that you want. It's like, that's not having a zero effect <laughs> on the environment. But anyway, that's a separate point.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is a separate point, very definitely. <laughs> but it, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I'm kind of curious what the... I mean, I guess in the in the great scheme of things it's probably negligible, but maybe it isn't on the scale of like player player base and population of gamers that are actually doing this.
0: Yeah, I don't think it is. Or at least like I think when you're forcing people to download stuff, there should be like a burden on that person to make sure that they're doing the best they can to reduce it as much as they can. And like, that's just obviously not the case here. It's like, I don't give a shit how much you have to download.
1: A burden on the person or a burden on the company that's making you do it? No,
0: on on the company, yeah. I mean, the one that I'm thinking about here is the Master Chief Collection, which was like 200 gigabytes. And even if you wanted to play just one game in that set of six games, you had to download the, the whole thing.
1: Yeah, that is batshit crazy. I wonder if they've kept it like that since adding more games to it.
0: I don't know. But that was only on the Windows launcher. On Steam, you could do it. Steam is chill. Steam, you can download whichever one you want. Yeah,
1: there's loads of games. I was thinking about this before, where there's like older games that have done stuff like what we're talking about, but done it well. Like I was thinking of the patch notes, for instance, like rather than having to like exit the game and load up your browser, like Diablo 3, like all the Diablo games, in fact, basically any of the Blizzard.net games with that launcher, Mm. that was all right there. It was just there when you booted it up, your landing screen. Yeah, yeah. And it was just pulled right into the game. That's great. They did it really well. What? The f- how have we regressed? It's another example. Like, yeah. I think it must be the funding model for games these days. It mm. must be that they like so much competition. They need to get the games out there. They need to get players playing them to get their money back. And as a result, there's corners being cut left, right and centre for mm. stuff they just don't consider to be important enough to polish yeah agree this is an outrage this is my friends an
0: outrage <laughs> well let's talk about the the documentaries anyway because i was going to mention them at some point but i can see this is why you haven't mentioned them because you haven't seen them <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i mean to be clear like the game within the game itself mm. there is a significant sort of element of cut scenes that play out like documentary narration mm. but it's more like like i said before like b-roll footage and sort of smoky forests mm.
0: but the, the actual documentary so you complete a campaign mission and then at the end it gives you like a piece of the documentary which you click and you play um and it's just a really short documentary about an aspect of the civilization of which you're playing so like i said before the mongol post office which i had no idea about basically these runners who had this special like medallion which showed they were a member of the the post i'm calling it a post service it's like so british (laughs) but anyway they had this medallion which allowed them to like get resources and like sleep anywhere and that kind of thing basically they could like commission anything they want because they had this thing and their job was just to relay messages and that was super important for this massive mongolian empire to function at all
2: good communications across the empire were vital. And that was the job of the yam riders. The yam was an incredibly well-organized postal system, introduced by Genghis Khan over 800 years ago.
0: Another example was they talked about the big ballistas that the Mongols used. And then the two people in the documentary are like looking at the plans and stuff and they literally make it and try it.
2: A crucial part of the design is the backwards facing bow. This unique feature gives the machine a huge draw, making it capable of shooting massive darts.
0: There's a lot of tension in there.
2: The projectile strikes with impressive force. Golly.
1: A lot of effort went into this documentary, and it's really good, really entertaining. That explains a lot why when I was on IMDb, there was, like, a shit ton of cast. And Mm. I was like, who are all these people? I just assumed they were, like, the voices of characters that I just barely heard in the game or something. Mm. Oh, man. I guess this is probably the same place that we bring in the subject matter which we referenced earlier about the fact that as a result of these four campaigns, so the Normans is the first campaign, the second one's called the Hundred Years' War, the third one's just called the Mongol Empire, and the fourth is the rise of Moscow, which I think is current, isn't it? What we're going to see during the course
0: of tonight are the main elements of the Russian forces appearing and getting ready for battle in Kiev. I hadn't thought about real-life events at all during like as in current events in the game, because it's so far in the past, like we're talking like the 1200s. But then there was one Mongol mission, which is called the Siege of Kiev. And I started to play it and like, it's my job as, you know, Genghis Khan or whatever, to go and like sack and destroy Kiev. And I just felt like, I know this is history, but given what's happening in Ukraine... As I'm playing this game, that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable and weird. It's like a very specific feeling to have to what's going on now. And as usual, my mum decides to come behind me and like look at me playing the game, like literally as I'm doing this mission. So I have to explain it to
1: her. She's like, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you playing? At least it wasn't another sex scene. (laughs) Yeah. So what? So she came in and you were there invading Kiev. Yeah, that was quite an awkward thing, which I had to justify. (laughs) To your mum? To my mum, yeah.
2: Well, I must be punished then, mustn't I? You're a naughty boy! Don't do it! Don't do not That
1: is actually when I first read your intro. My first thought was like, is this a bad time to make jokes about armies moving in on cities and satellite feats? Mm. But then I think it's it's abstracted enough from the context. Like it's clearly in a gaming context. There's jokes in there. It's mostly about chess, really. Yeah. I think it's okay.
0: And a really literal reference to the absolute classic intro of Age of Empires. To Age of Kings, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everyone knows that reference. So, like, I think that's the comparison which will just be instantly drawn rather than war, war going on in the real world. With
1: Ukraine, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hopefully so. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, if not, we can just apologize for it next week. It's fine. Well, funny. Uh- <laughs> 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 uh-
2: Sorry.
0: I mean, it almost feels like crass, doesn't it? But there's literally a mission called the Siege of Kiev. But I I think it's an interesting, maybe interesting isn't even the right word, but it's just like a thing if you're playing this game and you encounter that mission right now, you're gonna feel weird, aren't you? Because it's also like when you're playing a game which is so closely aligned with history, it's like, at what point can you start playing history like it's a game and like that's okay. Yeah. And fun. I think that's probably one of the most interesting things to talk about with this game, given that the way that it's, presented which is like as a historical artifact right
1: yeah i mean it's not like call of duty yeah, wherein, in yeah. like literally a couple of years after an incident they're like yes get it in the game <laughs> Really, i mean it's not quite that quite that quick i don't think but oh i mean God. the borderline is um and the same with there's been loads of war games like that haven't there mm. i remember there was a massive controversy over i can't remember if it was call of duty or medal of honor but it was one of those um, wartime shooting games that was going to feature Manchester Cathedral. Actually, now I come to think of it. It might have even been Gears of War. But for whatever reason, it was going to feature Manchester Cathedral. And it was like the gaming guys had like modelled it, the interior of the cathedral and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was this massive controversy. I was in Manchester at the time. I think the like the church was speaking out against it and stuff, and being like, "This is like uh, this is, like wrong to use a godly building in, the, in this video game that's going to be oh, featuring like slaughter and all this kind of
0: stuff." Oh, what? Just because it's sacrilegious? I don't really think that. Oh, well, I don't. know. Maybe that's because no one <laughs> respects no one respects Christianity but I anymore. Think, but... I
1: don't think. Well, some people do, but maybe you should roll that back. To well, well, yeah, cause, I know. You might have caused some people with that yeah it's true it's true it's a good point (laughs) well i I should probably check what that that was actually um it was resistance fall of man
0: i vaguely remember that game coming out on like ps2 or something ps3 ps3 was was it Mm. yeah yeah. 2007
2: a radio message from Hale's squad said they were entering manchester cathedral the cathedral was a field hospital during the war it was abandoned in a hurry and still had some supplies and ammunition Unfortunately, it was also a breeding ground for some of the lower forms of chimera.
1: (laughs) The Church of England claimed its depiction in Resistance Fall of Man was desecration and copyright infringement. Copyright Copyright infringement infringement was... I feel like the architects (laughs) probably don't have a claim to that anymore. You don't have... You can't copyright the physical world. Can you? Yeah, I mean, them. I, I I just brought up the Wikipedia page <laughs> of it, comedy. and I'm not kidding. In in A4 pages, it would be like ten or something. So I'm not going to read it all now. But hmm. there's there's quite a story there if anyone's interested. I mean, it, it is weird, and it does invite questions about repeating history and how fresh. I mean, in this game, to be fair, to be clear, like, all right. I do think, arguably, it's contentious, maybe, given the subject matter. Not that the game devs could have anticipated this, given that, yeah, it's been posturing for so long that most of the Western world was surprised, sort of thing. Well, in a way, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Also, in fairness to them, this is like, what? It starts with the... Does it start with Stone Age or Dark Age? Feudal Age, Castle Age. Castle Age and then the Imperial Age. And it's always those four ages, right?
0: Yeah, which, I mean, I don't think there was like a castle age (laughs) in history, do you know what I mean? I think they made those names up apart from the Dark Age and the Feudal Age.
1: Right, but then I've always wondered, so like they've got a case in terms of like the distance of this, Mm. the current affairs from what we're playing here. Like it's interesting because it's history repeating in a way, but it's defensible and like understandable that you could make a game about that. But with other games, there is a question mark over like, for instance... You have the Iraq war and then within years you've got computer games fictionalising it and you're mm. out there shooting people and doing whatever. There's an amazing game which I must have referenced already on this called um, Spec Ops The Line. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. talked about it already? Mm. Yeah, it was, and, it, and the reason I like that is because it, it sort of did do that but it did it in a way that was really politically intriguing and curious about like is this right? Like is it you know, what is the nature of war was the question that that game mm. was asking versus like, yay, play as an American soldier and go shoot some terrorists, which is what it tends to be.
0: Mm. It's interesting because this game is going for that. Like, it's not it's not going for politically intriguing. It's going for historical accuracy. And so it's with all this documentary baggage that goes along with it. It's kind of saying, like, this is what happened. It's just the, the fact the fact of it. And it's so far gone. It doesn't matter that you're, like, playing it and enjoying it. Like, when you destroy a town hall in Age of Empires 4, no one's... Like, you can't possibly feel bad for that. And the only reason it came into my head is because the place was so similar to a place which is currently, like, literally under siege.
1: Mm. But, I mean, if it wasn't... If the campaign mission wasn't named the Siege of Kiev and wasn't that town the entire concern would dissipate. Mm. So really, it's only the campaign title that raises the concern.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I thought it was worth mentioning just because I think most people would have the same reaction when doing that mission. And so it's just worth mentioning just on those terms alone, I think.
1: Yeah. To be fair, the game is full of sieges. It's not just Kiev. I mean, there's the siege of Paris. There's like, you go up against the Great Wall of China. Yeah, like, yeah. There's tons of stuff that you're destroying in there. It's just a contemporaneous events that are going on that makes it feel a bit weird in that specific instance
0: we've said enough on that is is there anything more about the game that you wanted to mention
1: only on the age thing which is that we've said it goes castle age imperial age but i've always felt there needed to be a fifth one it just feels like you haven't got far enough you know when you play civ 2 or like any of the save games, to be fair. Just jump to that one because it's kind of my go-to. When you play those games, you can go from like literally your barbarians with slingshots pretty much, through to, you know, developing gunpowder through to the space age. Mm. And I've always wanted a game like Age of Empires, which was, you know, an RTS rather than a 4X. And with all of the perks that that brings of like a close up experience of the world and more micromanagement, I guess, not within units, but Mm. in general, but bringing you through these ages, but up to a more modern time as well. I know that, I guess, go back to Iron Harvest because it's a recent one, there's sort of that in that. Mm. Um, But I don't know, it would have been, it would have been nice to almost have one more stage, wouldn't it? Do you know what I mean? Mm. So there's a really old game called Rise of Nations, which
0: does exactly that takes you through from huts to cities in a real-time strategy but i actually personally prefer the focus so age of empires 3 it started to go a little bit further into history and like do guns and gunpowder and stuff you do have guns in this one as well yeah it's true that's true actually but it's not as much of a feature not like (laughs) ak-47s but it just it always disappoints me when games do that as a mode of innovation rather than changing the game, just, like, set it a little bit further in history. And I remember when Fable did it, I was really annoyed. It's like, I don't want guns in this game. I just, just want my swords, my bows and arrows.
1: Yeah, I hear you on that front. I definitely agree with you on Fable. It's funny, though, because that is kind of what games do. Like, if you take take the GTA games, so they don't really, I mean, they, they innovate like a tiny bit each time, but the gist of it's the same. What they really do is just set it in a different city. Like, they could go on creating yeah. those games, even when the graphics are like, you know, as good as they're ever going to be for a realism. Like, they could just literally just every five years, just base it in a new city, release another one. Mm. And it's the same with um, Assassin's Creed. As well, like, oh, where's the next one gonna be? London, Rome, whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's all, always this big yeah. social media frenzy about like where the next one should be set. And that's what the game focuses on in, in terms of its innovation. Mm. I hear you on that. I think you're right that like that is kind of lazy in a way. Just just do a better job of creating a fresh story element or something.
0: Yeah. Well, we don't want to do ourselves out of a podcast, but my old boss always used to say, who's a who's a programmer and a very smart guy. He just used to say like every game is the same, just a different skin on it. And I don't believe that's true, but I, I can kind of see where he's coming from with computer games. Like he just basically saw ones and zeros and abstractions, like the code behind
1: it. Mm.
0: <laughs> well, I don't I don't think that's true. But... I
1: definitely don't agree with that in general, but Commandos 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, those games to shadow tactics. I mean that is definitely the same game with a new skin. Yeah, exactly. But by God, that was fun on both occasions. <laughs>
0: I think this one is as well, like, despite our criticisms of it, I think this is a really good game and does enough new stuff and it's just, like, it's time for a new one that is quite welcome.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I
0: think people, like, fans of the genre will, will
1: really enjoy it. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to release it annually, but, I mean, with the distance that it's been since the last one, just literally a fresh take on it. I mean, actually, since we're there, since I think we are at the end of this game, mm. if we announce our next game... <laughs> Mm. Uh, Which is, Teo? It's Resident Evil 3, the remake. (laughs) Yeah, the remake. We have come full circle in a way because, like, Mm. I mean, jumping ahead, that is a a verbatim remake, a modernization of the original that was in, I Mm. think, 1999, I want to say. Yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely space to just remake a game that was brilliant then, do it in a modern fashion, alleviate some of the problems with it, and introduce a few fresh takes and it's a very playable game mm. and i feel like that's what this one's done i bloody loved age of empires age of kings and i really enjoyed this one yeah same albeit not as much because i'm older now and don't have the time to obsess over <laughs> yeah one game
0: yeah but you do have time to play all four of the campaigns still
1: <laughs> create time apply yourself to and create you'll be time. able to oh, I
0: apply myself yeah it's true it's true
1: and with that uh, cool well, yeah. that's a wrap although I, I do have one other thing well, what is it it shouldn't have been a draw in that intro man you were fucking storming me why did you agree to a draw he <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was like check 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 <laughs> I was like oh shit I'm on the ropes I'm on the ropes my girlfriend can hear a <laughs> trebuchet and then you're like alright let's accept a draw <laughs> felt like ending it on a, on a peaceful note I suppose Peaceful note, my ass.